Hi, I'm Alex Freycon. You're listening to My Therapist and I, a podcast that isn't just about therapy, it is therapy. More specifically, my therapy. So I've been thinking a lot about my work with Dr. Steve, and I've had a bunch of questions for him. Specifically, I've had one question, but I've been afraid to ask him because it's personal. Well, in this episode, I face my fear and I ask him, and it leads to a really interesting discussion about, you know, how open can therapists be with their patients? So hope you enjoy. Well, you made it back to I'm, another. Uh, you're talking to them. They made it back. I'm, right? I was talking to everyone, you included. Yeah. Yeah, Locked but also. Made it back. People don't know that we have sessions back to back. Yeah, no. That could be a season two reveal. If they're watching, they'll see that wow, they, yeah. don't, they don't change clothes between sessions. Yeah. I'll, like, I'll uh, allow family, that to be. Uh, like Family Feud and Steve Harvey. You've, you've referenced that before. Have I really? Yeah. Sometimes you're really committed to like a reference. <laughs> I feel like you won't stop until I acknowledge it. Right? Yeah. You've used that maybe three times. Really? I would say this is at least the third time you've referenced uh, Steve Harvey and, and Family Feud. Of clothes? Yes. Yep. Yeah. At least the third time. So your therapist has dementia. <laughs> no. Basically. I think my, my, my podcast therapist just is really confident in their... Like analogies? analogies and references. Is this yeah. going to go on? The yeah, thing? I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I'm having knee Stre- issues. Stre- Alex. Oh, you're, so you get to. That's okay. Doctor Steve was just stretching his leg in a weird way yeah. for all you. I've had audio ham- hammy issues, really? and knee issues lately. Yeah, that's tough. Knee I think, issues I think it's a winter of. Uh, I started running outside now, but a winter of working on treadmills and stuff like that. And yeah, running going, is running outside. Running's so not good for the. I need to get cycling again. Cycling, rowing. Mm-hmm. It's another one I've heard is pretty good. Get a row machine. Yeah. And I, I I spent the whole winter of not playing. I had no hockey in the winter. Didn't even get on ice skates this past winter. Do you typically do get on ice skates? Yeah. Oh, speaking of hockey, I've been, uh, I want to show you this. Awesome. I blocked a shot. You did? Yeah. It was in the playoffs. Check out this, Bruce. Oh, my God. Isn't that wild? I'll show. Why did you... Why did you block a shot? Are you wearing breezers at least? I, I am wearing breezers. However, and this is a fascinating thing with hockey. And I always see that the pros do this. And I'm like, what are you thinking, you idiots? There's the majority of your coverage is straight front frontal, right? You got your shin pads, you got yeah. your breezers, you got your chest pad. But like hockey players, for whatever reason, to try and make themselves bigger, they expose more of their body that's completely unprotected. And they always, that's where they get hit. And you're, you're taught to just block a shot, go straight at the shot. Don't turn. That way, you know. You're more protected. But for whatever reason in the moment, and I totally fell for this, I saw the guy winding up. I was like, I got to block this. Okay, make yourself bigger. So I turned my leg. <laughs> and it, I could have just been like this. And I would have hit my breezers. It would have been fine. But I opened up my leg, and he just, just socked me right in the completely unprotected part. Yeah. The inner thigh. The inner thigh. Yeah, the place is... Players get hit the most inner thigh, inner ankle, like uh, uh-huh. here. Or there's usually your sh- your shin guards don't cover all the way down. There's like this part of your ankle, uh-huh. so you get smoked there. Um, yeah, I didn't know that you play every winter. I don't play in a league or anything. Yeah, just you just skate with guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my dad used to, he didn't wasn't a marathon runner, but he ran a lot. And he had to stop because his back just went to... I had to stop playing basketball. Because of your knees? 
knees, yeah, fingers, fingers. I remember you saying right. that. Fingers. Another Steve Harvey reference. Yeah, uh, I don't get that. These fingers. No, just I probably Good. talked about fingers like as many times as I you definitely showed me. The funk. Yeah. The jacked Gosh. up pinkies. Yeah. And that's just from dislocating it. Uh, it's getting. Yeah, the, the, I think the ligaments okay. are all stripped out. Anyway, and this is not why people. Listen, pay, pay to listen to yep. our podcast. Yep. But you, if I recall correctly, last session you said, "Hey, Alex, I have a question for you for episode two, of season yeah. two. Yeah. So let's hear it. So my question is, what what do you get differently from this therapeutic experience, if it is a therapeutic experience, than what you get from George or yep. other people that you've been with? Um, I'll use George's comparison because that's really the, the most recent. Um, I talk about stuff that I can't logistically talk about here. Yeah. So to that end, you know, I just get to talk about stuff that's bothering me a little bit more, bothering me that's related to other people. I, I, so honestly, I can be angry. Yeah. With George, and I can say stuff that I wouldn't say in public. Right. Until you won't. There are things you won't say in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just. It's not even truth or fact it's just emotion it's anger yeah. uh-huh. and so i express my anger more um with george but also too i get a much different sort of perspective truthfully. that's that's what i'm asking about yeah so what's the difference between what perspective you get from me and the perspective you get from george well george i've come to learn is we're very similar in the sense that we're very visituty Explain that. So, season two, people may not know. For, for you new season two listeners, vicissitude is a word that Dr. Steve made up. No, uh, to descri- no not at all. Not at all. Uh, this, this is your experience. I won't, I, won't, I won't treat you like you're my brother. Like, oh, wrong, stupid, dumb answer. Okay. <laughs> um, so very philosophical. His approach to psychology and therapy is very much rooted in like, um, philosophy, theoretical stuff, human nature, just like very, we love to talk about theoretical stuff. You know, why are humans motivated mm. to think things like we talk? I mean, he put me onto a lot of interesting books. This is you and George. Yep. Yeah. He's always quoting stuff. And, you know, sometimes that stems into just literature. Yeah. And, um, you know, philosophers and stuff like that. So sometimes we can just get caught up in, it's a therapeutic moment for me because I don't get the opportunity to have those sort of in-depth conversations and I find them fascinating. Yeah. But but it, we start talking about the human condition and human nature and creativity and what it means to be creative, a creative human. Yeah. Um, there's this book he put me on by Rollo May. Have you heard of him? He's an author. I'm pretty sure he's like a psychologist. It's in the 60s or something like that. But it's, it's about the courage to create. Mm. And it's a fascinating, basically a psychologist approach, a take on creativity mm. and how that affects the brain. And so we, you know, I get that kind of perspective. It's it's much more of a sensitivity, which again. Um, okay. Just <clears throat> so sometimes endless thought and yeah. analysis. And okay. In here, I think I get much more um a much more practical approach to thoughts feelings and it just feels much more grounded Mm. like with george we're kind of up in the clouds floating around and here i feel like we're much more like okay well what are the practical implications of what you're talking about where the rubber hits the road yeah yep Uh 
which I think I've alluded to, and maybe I characterized it in a different way, but um, for example, mastery and acceptance. Yeah. You know, that was a phrase, to me that was so, it resonated so well because it was like, hey, (laughs) it's easy to just think about things endlessly. Right. What about just accepting and moving on? Um, so when I chat with you, I, I feel like I get a much different perspective from George in that regard, mm-hmm. which I like comparing the two. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard because sometimes I explain things and I just want you to say like, Hey, that sucks. Or yeah, it, a lot of humans feel that way, but you know, it's okay, Alex, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Like give me a a figurative like hug. Yeah. Um but also too I like being grounded in reality and like not floating around in the clouds all the time. Vicissitude land. Yeah, so in some ways you get both of those things. Correct. Because I think you like what you're doing with George. I think yes. you like you enjoy those conversations. There are also times where I get frustrated. Uh-huh. Cause, and I'll get frustrated at George. And I'm like, sometimes I just wish I could go to someone who writes on a notepad and says, okay, here's what I think. Do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which maybe there's some, I don't know, mastery. Yeah. There's people out there yeah. like that. There's therapists out there like that, I think. But it's just been cool to have two different perspectives. It's funny you ask that because I have been meaning to ask you a question but I've kind of been scared to ask you it. You got to save it for season three. <laughs> um, All right. Beca- because, and, and also too, because like, A, I don't want it to be too personal. Maybe it's something that, you know, you don't want to talk about on the podcast. So I'll just say, I'll ask you. And if you don't, I can edit it out. So like this, for example, conversation we're having right now, I could just completely cut it out. But, um, I'm, Which it, defeats the purpose of the podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm in charge. <laughs> I'm the producer and the engineer, so uh, I get to call the shots. And the sponsor. These are great mics that you purchased for us. <sighs> yeah, cool. St- we can thank Cool Story for that. But in terms of like perspectives, I get the impression, just based on, on our conversations and you know you talking about sort of your past growing up, that you're probably a lot more religious than I am. Mm, maybe. Um, and I'm, cu- you know, I'm curious. I don't know like the, the proper way to ask, but like, are you, is, does that impact your perspective at all? Or like. It would have to. Yeah. And I sometimes think that that's, it's vastly, you're the only person right now <laughs> if, that I know who's like ever been a mission on a mission or, uh-huh. or anything like that. And, I don't have any of that in my life. And I think about like, you know, one might say, oh, that's a traditional way of looking at the world or something like that. I don't know. There's lots of people. Mm. I don't know. It's just been a fascinating thing for me. Cause like, it's very much not the antithesis, but different from h- how I look at the world and who I interact with and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, did you ask your question? No, I didn't. Okay, you got to ask your question. Um, so, <laughs> if with are you like a Jehovah's Witness or I'm not. Okay, are you a Mormon? I am. 
Okay. Yeah. Because I was talking to Hank and he was like, so he was in a mission? I was like, yeah, what does that imply? Does that... Um, and... So there is a saying in Finland that the only two people who learn... There, there's only two groups of people who learn Finnish. Who? Finnish babies and Mormon missionaries. <laughs> like it's such a crazy language. Yeah, it's funny. And everybody I know who went there on their mission is enthralled and enamored with the language. Do you do a lot of like... Is is Finland a popular place for Mormons to do their mission? No. So that could be said about any country with a complex language, because in theory, Mormons go all over the world. They go all over the yeah. world. Well, but there's not that many countries that, whose language is as complex diff- yeah. as Finnish. Yeah, like Navajo and you know and f- Japanese. I mean, it, I can tell you. Uh, I think I have Hank's last name. I still to this day can't pronounce it. It's got like 15 letters in it. It's it's remarkable. Um, let's see if he's in here. No, it's just Henka. I didn't even bother putting in his last yeah, name because it's, it's impossible to spell. So, yeah, I mean, the reason I ask is because a part of me has been thinking about this. I'm like, well, that yeah. would that would align in terms of he might not spend his time thinking about all these things that there's no answers to because... I don't know, without sounding judgmental, it's like I always assume that people who ascribe to certain religions, they like kind of have more things either figured out or the religion compels them to not think about it so much. Or the religion has figured it out for you so you don't have to think anymore. You you can turn it over to a matter of faith. Yeah. I bet there's a a lot of that in my my life. So that's why, and, and George is the complete opposite of that, right? He's like, well, absolutely nothing is certain. There's no guaranteed anything. So let's talk. Anything's possible. Let's talk about it. Um, but I feel like I embrace that as well. I think so too. Yes. We had a conversation you about I? space uh-huh. and the universe. Yeah. So yeah. But also I get... I don't remember that. Did, you don't? Did I mention Steve Harvey at all in that no. conversation? Well, I forget what prompted it, but we were talking about the soul. Uh-huh. And spirit, and I started. We talked about how like the most common element in the universe is also the same most common element in human beings, which is carbon. Carbon. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that kind of stuff, and that's all like big brain stuff. And so it all kind of left me confused because, to your point, I was like, "Yeah, he." We talk about philosophical stuff, he, he and he can do both. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, based on my limited knowledge of the religion that you practice, yeah, based on the one South Park episode I saw. <laughs> Did you watch that, by the way? <laughs> I no, I don't. I don't really not? like South Park, but <laughs> yeah. but I know I have a lot of friends who do, a lot of yeah. Mormon friends who do, and the the guys who created South Park also created the Book of Mormon movie. The, the, I went the to play. the play, which yeah. I thought it was a little overrated, honestly. Everyone thought it was hilarious, but I was like, well, I mean, it's okay. Anyway, um, I've been, yeah, I've been meaning to, I've been sort of not struggling with it, but it's like I, it's a conversation I've wanted to have, but I didn't want it to be. It's none of my business kind of a thing. You know, in the, in the typical, I actually think it is your business as a client. I think it's your business to wonder about your therapist and wonder where their values and, and yeah, values and standards yeah. and things like that are. Where they, yeah. And maybe even where they, where they come from. So I've got a number of clients who over time from stories or they've known people who are the same religious orientation as I am. And they'll ask, are you, you know, are you Mormon? And like, and I don't mind talking about it. I think, 
the traditional way that therapists are, are trained to answer questions about their personal lives is why is that important? Why is that important? Yeah, you've been to enough therapy that you know what the question and what the yeah. response is. Why is that important? I and mean, this is really about you, Alex. This is not about me. And does it matter to you whether I'm Jehovah's Witness or Muslim or Mormon or you know or Catholic or whatever? Yeah. And to your point, for me as a patient, it does matter, but not in the sense that I get like angry or anything like that. Yeah. More so is like, I want to know where they're coming from or if they have a certain set of beliefs or if there's anything that sort of, you know, what their principles are, what influences their thinking. Um, it's just good to know the person a little bit more, I guess. Um, and also, too, it's super fascinating to me because I don't know if this exists in the Mormon religion, but like you earlier in the podcast had talked about the the profession of therapist is kind of unique to Western culture because in a lot of other cultures they have like, you go to see someone else, like you go to see a shaman, shaman. or you, yeah. Yeah, you're religiously your pastor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and this is more curiosity than anything, does the, does the Mormon church, the Mormon religion have a stance on mental health and therapy? It's, they're pretty much, they're pretty open about it. Uh... I would say that I've seen that change over my lifetime. Okay. And when I, when I uh, started being a, uh, when I expressed an interest in becoming a mental health professional, uh, I think there was some cultural pushback. Like, you know, we have clergy who can yeah. do that yep. kind of thing. And in fact, I've had people say, well, therapy's great, but not if you're a member of the church. You don't really need therapy because if you're living your life in accordance to the principles, you wouldn't have any, you wouldn't have any problems, which I don't, don't believe. Yeah. Um, Me either, and so you know, a lot of my <laughs> I've had a lot of students who are who are LDS who are Mormons. I've had a lot of colleagues who are mental health professionals who are Mormons. So that has shifted. That language has shifted. But I'm you know I'm 57 years old, and so I remember you know going to therapy was a shameful thing. Mm -hmm. And my parents would talk about oh they're in therapy right now, yeah, and kind of this hush tone. And so, yeah. but I I don't know that that's. How much of that is LDS Mormon culture? Because I grew up in Canada. I'm not, I don't really, I don't really have as much of that Mormon culture as maybe somebody from Utah might have. Sure. Which is kind of the hub of, yep, of that's, Mormonism. I know little about it and that's what yeah. I assume, that's yeah. what I think of when I hear it. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's more acceptance of mental health. Um, I think a lot of my, uh, a lot of people from my religious group have yep. also not been done well by mental health. People have said your beliefs are restrictive and your beliefs are confining. Yeah, and you, it, it would yeah. be better if you did X, Y, and Z, and you should probably just leave your church yep, yep. because you have a, That's uh, no a strong theme of perfectionism. That would piss me off if someone said that to me. Yeah, and it and it it leaves it leaves people who are in um, in religious communities like, well, where do I go for help? I if I go here, you're telling me to give up this thing that's very yeah. important to me, and if yep. I go to my I go to my religious leader. They're not open to the secular things that I need to be talking about. They just, they just hit me back with religious dogma or. or that dogma. would be very isolating. Can be, and it's also extremely ironic because it's the exact opposite of what therapy is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where anything and everything can exist at the same time, as opposed to like, no, I can't help you unless you ascribe to this certain beliefs that I have. It's like the complete opposite of therapy, in my opinion. It's like we claim. People who are not really, like, I'm going to be a representative of non-affiliated people. It's like, we claim to be the most open-minded, right? Because we don't ascribe to any one set of beliefs. Yet, 
we would pass judgment upon a person. Be like, oh, I can't help you unless you ascribe to my lack of, you know, belief system. Yeah, which is super ironic and and silly. Um, also, too, like it's got me thinking what it must be like. You know, like the Catholic Church, I'm sure has the exact or a similar thing where it's like, well, you don't need a therapist; you need to talk to, you know, the go to confession. Mm-hmm. Or in, the, in Muslim culture, I'd be super interested. I should w- wish I could talk to someone about that. Like, is it a similar kind of? Is there any stigma about mental health? Like, you need to see the, um, is it the imam? Imam. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I can tell you, I have I have students who are uh, Muslim. Yeah. And they they have said to me that they are going into this mental health training program because they see the need for mental health services in their religious and, and faith community. So I, I think that many religious communities need qualified mental health people. Totally. Um, who can work within a, within a belief system, who can work within someone's cultural and religious orientation. Well, and, also we all have our lanes, and not to make a, like, sort of horrid analogy but it's like people talking about reforming the police right because the police get sent to any situation mm-hmm. where it could be a mental health crisis it's like a police doesn't need to go there a mental uh, someone who specializes in that mm. needs to deal with that and similarly it's like a member of a, a clergy person or a member of a religion like they have things that they specialize they shouldn't be a catch-all for everything mm-hmm. so i would yeah, that's encouraging to know um, that people. So do you? Uh, so do you uh, worry at all? Do you give thought at all to well, how much of how much of Steve is influenced by this this organization that calls the shots in his life, yeah. or that tells him there's a certain way to live, and so now yep. I'm getting now I'm getting some watered down version of Mormonism that yeah, that, yeah. that he's. Peddling to me. Great question. I would say it's like 25%. 25% worry? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and 75% just like other? Insane curiosity. <laughs> like there's so many like potentially offensive questions I want to ask you about you the, ask about the stereotypes of Mormonism and stuff like that. Um, but I have obviously been just analyzing you yeah. every time we sit down. Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> but like... <laughs> You know, I'm a, I'm capable of making decisions based on people far beyond. I mean, that's such a far beyond stereotypes, or it's a kind of a superficial thing to judge someone on. I mean, there's obviously some implications there, but I'm much more concerned with the things you say. You know, for example, I think the only time I ever got pissed off was when I felt like you were bored with what I was saying, or, or when I felt like you weren't coddling me as much you're not coddling me but like being warm enough to me Mm -hmm. like those kinds of like those behavior is much more important to me than set of belief systems the 25 percent of curiosity or the 25 percent of worry is um well you know maybe in that religion he grew up in he was not conditioned to respond in a certain way you know Mm. i don't know Long story short, our conversation has been such where not, you know, you've never been like, well, Alex, the truth is here. You Do, do you want to find the truth? Because it's here. Come with us. You know, you've never been any remotely close like that. Hell, the stupid entrepreneur group I joined 
way more like that Pro- than they proselytize or yeah, preach. More. Oh my god, they're basically like you're either with us or against us. Way more vibes. So yeah, not uh, but just I've I've met. You're the second Mormon I've ever met in my entire life. Do you oh. believe that? One, I uh, worked yeah, with him. I can believe that. He was in advertising. Nice guy. Uh-huh. I got really drunk at a holiday party, and I just sat next to him for like an hour, and I was like <laughs> firing off questions. And so, Because I was just so fascinated and curious. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I don't know any re- really religious people in my life. Like... Uh-huh. None of my relationships. Haley's family, she grew up pretty Catholic, but they stopped. Don't tell, don't tell Jesus that though. That stays between us. I, I don't know. There might be a different Jesus. I don't know. Catholics, I don't know how that works. Yeah. I mean, maybe my Jesus knows his Jesus. Yeah. I think if had it been Scientology, then we would have had a problem. Honestly, that's where I would have. How had, come? Um, just because you have ideas about Scientology. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the whole Xenu thing. I don't, I'm not familiar with it. So Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, even I have my limits. I mean, the one thing about being in a religion that is often maligned and oppressed <laughs> is that you have much more relaxed standards about other people's religions and you're much more tolerant of, well, hey, that, hey, you go believe what you want to believe. Yeah, you know? that's good. Because I would assume it'd be the opposite and you, it would just make you more angry and, and defensive. Uh, no, I think that I think it can. I think I think some people can dig in and say that we have the truth over here, and there's only one truth. And, and you guys are all going to hell. So yeah. tease yeah. us all you want. Yeah. We'll see who's laughing in the end. Yeah. Well, that was what the South Park, yeah, episode was about. Um. Yeah, it's it's cool. I enjoy having a new perspective in therapy. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe it. You know, I wouldn't describe it as, you know, I'm not like, oh, the, well, I have George and then I have my Mormon therapy. You know, I wouldn't describe it yeah. that way. Right, right. But uh, maybe, it's, you know what it is? It's the c- Canadian thing. That's what, I, that's what it was. I knew something was off. <laughs> the Canadian who, doesn't, who hadn't played hockey. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's, it makes sense. The second you're like, I grew up in Canada, it's like, it clicked. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had a better way of articulating, but like, I don't, I don't know, if prag, pragmatic or practical so, but, approach. But this was something you've been thinking about for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wondering, you talked to Hanka about it. You talked yeah. to maybe some other people, maybe Haley or whatever, yeah. uh-huh. and didn't know how to ask. So I wonder if people who are listening who are also wondering about their therapist, is it okay to talk? Is it okay to go to your therapist and say, hey, are you. Are to you ask them questions. Yeah. Cause like from my perspective, I didn't want. You know, I don't want to make my therapist or... feel uncomfortable because I've had instances where I asked a question and I went a little too deep mm. and I touched a nerve. And that, from a patient's perspective, at least for me, was really jarring because it's like, oh, if I can rattle this guy or this girl, am I safe anywhere? <laughs> like, I thought this was the one place where I could accidentally offend someone could or say something. say anything. Yeah. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I, that, yeah. There was one time we had one session and I asked a question or I made a joke and he was like, no, or something. I was like, oh, okay, all right, I'm sorry. I really, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make, last thing I want to do is make someone uncomfortable. So it's so like, curious. Yeah. So curious about what that was. What yeah, was? me too. I think, uh, 
I think I made a joke about their intake form being like there was a bunch of misspellings on it. Yeah. And uh sacred he, ground, brother. And he was like, please do not bring this stuff up. I don't don't do that. And he got yeah, I was like, Oh, okay. But to back back to your question, I mean, is it what is allowed? You know, what can a patient if a patient is curious, can they ask? I think you get to, you get to ask anything. Yeah. I think like you said, this is a place you get to ask anything. But you also don't get to control what the what the uh, answer what is. the answer is, right? So, if your client, if you you say, "Well, Doctor Harris, how often do you have sex?" Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> please don't answer that. <laughs> no, like I mean, yeah. th- those are questions that I've had before. Like, what's what's a normal amount of? I would feel so uncomfortable if I asked a question and it caused you to feel uncomfortable. Mm. That would be like nails on a chalkboard. From I think that's just like a weird fear that I have. Yeah. That I could say something or ask a question that would cause you to feel, to say something like, Alex, that's inappropriate. Please don't say that. Don't ask that. You know? I mean, the way I look at it is I want to help. I want to be in a position where I help people become more real and honest about their life with the people that are around them. And so you're one of the people around me. So if you ask me a question, I'm going to try and be as real as possible in my response. Um, as much as you're allowed to. Yeah, but what does that mean? As much as I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. I mean, it may not. Well, I, I, not yeah. But we, we have a code of ethics, you know. I, I've taken an oath, a vow to first do no harm. I don't, I don't want to try and say things that are harmful to people. Yeah. I guess um, that's what I mean. Like you'd answer a question as best as you could knowing it's not going to harm anyone. Yeah. It's not going to bring anyone's confidentiality in jeopardy, right. you know, like that's all I meant. Yeah. You're, it would, it would align with your code of ethics. Yep. Exactly. But also, and I think that's why I feel comfortable talking to you. It requires a level of like self-confidence in terms of identity. And you know, I've had experiences where I felt like I've met with, dare I say, you know, in not insecure therapists, but therapists who were dealing with some stuff and, and it had nerves to touch, so to speak. Yeah. And that kind of, not to sound, I mean, we're all a mess. Or the best of us is a mess or something like that. But anyway. Is that a saying? Our marriage um, counselor says that. The, be- the, the rest, what does she say? The best of, <laughs> Haley will remind me. Um, yeah. It can be, uh, it can be intimidating. Because again, the last thing you want to do is piss off the person who knows all this stuff about you. Wow. Yeah. And Does that go through your head? Yeah. Not like, not, you know, I mean, it's a real, it's a real fear. Mm. Uh, why is that surprising to you? Humans can be douchey. Yeah. Yeah. They can be vengeful and spiteful. Yeah. And maybe it's because I've experienced that where I've trusted someone and they've, I felt like they've used it against me. Well, I'm- my guess is most people have had some kind of experience like that where you've yeah. trusted and the, the trust has been broken or breached in yep. some way. Um, like the thought about, like if you said something that got under my skin or hurt my feelings, like would I be vengeful and spiteful? Would I start broadcasting things about Alex? You know, what, what you know, like that just doesn't, doesn't register for me, but I don't, I'm not everybody. I'm sure there maybe there are people who would go do that. Um, if if that happened, I mean, I could see 
my license being called in question, my yeah. profession, you know, those well, kinds of things. I guess the irrat, you know, it's an ira- it's not a rational fear of mine, but it's yeah. like if I were to offend you or I was to offend a therapist, they could start, you know, making, you know, kind of like put downs or they, you know, they do subtle things yeah. to dismiss me or, you know, yeah. could be cold. It's just, uh, it's scary to think that you could have, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but uh, there's something to be said about me as a patient. Like, I, I get stuff from this therapist. Like, they provide something to me. Yeah. And for them to cut that off, it could be fright, you know, out of anger or something. Yeah. It's triggering it be, because. It could be a threat. It could be scary. Not to be super cliche and kind of reminds me of growing up as a child with like my parents it's like if you offend if you do something accidentally to anger the all-knowing all-being caregiver and it cuts you off and you're isolated you know to sit in that isolation is a you know it's like i'm never going back there i don't want to do it okay what can i do to make sure i don't get cut off like that it sort of reminds me of that process i gotta watch my step i can i can I can go up to a certain place. Yeah. But I better dare not cross that I think line. I, I personally, Alex, like that's a skeleton in the closet slash that's like a pain point or that's a sensitive nerve is this idea of like, you know, trusting someone, having a good relationship with them, you know, there being care, you know, positive emotions and then getting that cut off Yeah, for something I did accidentally or, you know. Or ignorant, out of ignorance. Yeah, yep. I didn't know. I yep. couldn't ask. Not this. intentionally. Not, yeah, is a frightening feeling for me. It's it's something. Yeah, I have like a past trauma with that, or so. I don't know how you would describe it. Yeah, but it makes. I mean, it makes some sense to me, and I think <clears throat> I think every now and then I get reminded of the risk that it is to be a, a client in therapy, to be a patient in therapy. And how much you're putting out there and hoping that the person you're talking to is going to treat it with respect and dignity. And yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think therapists often forget that. It's interesting. Hmm. What are you guys thinking about? You don't want to know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I just think, I think we, we we're like brain surgeons Except it's not brain surgery, you know. But at, a, at some a level, very of brain high surgery. level of comparison there, <laughs> doctors. <laughs> Except the brain surgeons are not as bright. Yeah, as they are. not as smart or <laughs> accomplished as we are. They just don't have the test scores. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I think a, a brain surgeon, you know, it's always going to be delicate and difficult. But I think they they probably approach their the next surgery with yeah. a degree of callousness. Like I need to do this. Yep. I need to do that. I need, you know, like there's an order of operations. And my, my guess is that for everybody, there's a level of, um, routinization, yeah. you know, and callousness that you approach it. So I think for, for therapists to go, Hey, it's really hard for people to come into your office. Like just, just to open that door and sit down or to make that call. I think, I think we can forget that sometimes. I don't know if I don't know if I told you I was at a health club once and I got on a machine next to somebody that I had been working with and that person 
would not acknowledge me at all. And I, I didn't even think about it. Um, when we met in session, that, that person indicated, I don't want my therapy life spilling out into other areas. And when I saw you at the gym, it brought back all the crap that we deal with in here. And so it was a good reminder of me that, of okay, so I have a certain callousness about who yeah. I see. And I, and I, I wow. made certain assumptions that if I saw somebody Be in like, public, hey. I would, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, I've, and I've had clients who, you know, one client when I was at, at Syracuse University who yelled across the quad, hey, there's my shrink. I think I've told that story in here, maybe. Maybe, I don't and, remember and, that one. And another person who says, I don't want yeah. any part of my yeah. therapy life I was the sp- latter. spilling out, you know, so. Well, that is, I mean, it's interesting to hear you say because, yeah, it's routine in the sense that you're, you know, you're, you, you've done, <laughs> you do this all day, every day. It's like nothing really surprises you or it's not as traumatic for right. you, right? Because uh, it's another day at the office. I get that. I totally get that. That's not, that's not to say it's less meaningful, just right. like correct, <clears throat> or that the brain surgery is not as important, or you know, let's keep it the met- with the metaphor, please. Yep, yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, also, too, it reminds me of like people have asked me, Oh, do you want to be a therapist? I'm like, No way, because I can't imagine doing that all day yeah. 10 people a day. And I think some, I know some therapists are totally overbooked. Yeah. It's like, How do you? Juggle all that. So I understand. Yeah, we have this thing called compassion fatigue in our field, right? Yep. I get in my field worn out. Uh, decision f- created, like I get sick of thinking of stuff. Yeah. Because I'm just coming up with, you know, I get fatigued all the time. I can only imagine dealing with, let's say you meet eight people a day. It's like, oh, these are eight. <clears throat> what if they're eight really intense conversations? That's my day. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, totally and there's no no amount of chat GPT can get you through it. For now, dude. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah, you better. Wait a week or two. Yeah. I mean, I just had a conversation with my intern this morning and I was like, I want to impress upon you chat GPT is no joke. And I we started going through his tasks with chat GPT and I and was like, dude, the sooner you can master this thing, this, the less replaceable you will be. <laughs> so it, it in my field, like ChatGPT replaces entry-level creatives. That's what I hear. So I've heard that from a buddy of mine who, yeah. who says he could replace two or three of the people on his line yeah. with ChatGPT. So not to totally shift, but it's like, to me, the, the focus is, okay, young people should be mastering. <clears throat> I know how to manage ChatGPT. So even the even the the term chat GPT sounds something like therapy, right? Chat and group therapy. Chat GPT group. Bad, what is it? Talk space or better health? One of those is exclusively through text messaging. Yeah, I don't know. It, one of them is, and you don't you find a therapist and you just text with them. And what's to say that that's that could be a bot? It could be Siri or Alexa. I chatted with one for this purpose i was like okay let's see what their chops are and i was like hey can i talk to you about my anxiety and stuff like that and it was like sure and i was like you know i started asking about books that i had read and it uh, yeah read everything um but that's for another day we'll worry about that later i I, we need to wrap up yeah we do today yep um well thank you for letting me ask questions yeah ask away and um and and i would think that if 
if you had questions about questions, ask that too. Yeah. Well, I'll think on that for our next session. Okay. Um, until then. Change of wardrobe. Make a, think of how you can bring Family Feud back, back <laughs> up again. I'll be really excited to hear that for the 11th time. <laughs> and everyone else out there, stay happy. <laughs> <laughs>